only reason. Pray for me. I'd rather be cold and hot as well. Yeah, I'd rather be cold and hot. Some of y'all know your JEA bill testifies to that. Who's, whose favorite season is fall? Fall. Why fall? Football. Football. Thanksgiving. Le legging. Okay. Huh? The leaves. Even though we don't kind of see that in too much in Florida, but yeah, that's that's true. Huh? Open window weather. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Whose favorite is spring? Why spring? What'd you say? Everything is new. Just right weather-wise. Okay. Anybody summer? Why summer? It's hot. <laughs> it's hot. Now see, that's not fair, because you from, where you from? Right, so yeah. Nah, we ain't about that life down here. <laughs> we ain't about that life. <laughs> All right. Um, why else summer? Hmm? Rest. You, you prefer hot over cold. God bless your ministry. Listen. Cookouts. Okay. All right. Okay. Do me a favor. Go over to, it's not, I don't think it's on the screen. Mark the 10th chapter, verse number 17. Mark 10, verse number 17. It's going to make sense in a minute. Mark 10, verse number 17. Verse number 17 through 20. Yeah, mine is a little vague. The only reason I like winter is because I like winter clothes. I love sweaters and boots and, and, and coats. Yes. Nice coat. I go somewhere where it's cold. All right. All right. Mark the 10th chapter. Mark 10, verse number 17. The Bible says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Verse number 20, teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Verse number 21, Jesus looked at him and, and, and loved him. Now, I could stop right there because that alone, catch this. In your pride, in your arrogance, he still loves you. When you think you got it all together and he know you really don't, he still loves you anyway. Mm -hmm. That's a blessing right there. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Look what he says. One thing you lack. He said, go, mm -hmm, say everything you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, everybody say then. Amen. Then come, follow me. Look at verse number 22. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Years ago, I used to preach a message. I would go to a church to preach. And I tell them to turn to 10, uh, Mark 10, uh, 20, uh, Mark 10th chapter, verse number 22. I said, I just need you to read a couple words after the comma. He went away sad. And, you know, they'd be 
please stand, I say, and be seated in the presence of the Lord. That's all I'm going to preach. He went away sad. Because it, it is amazing to me um, that a lot of people will try to use this scripture as trying to say this is proof that God don't want you to prosper. And that's not, you're taking the text out of context. That's not what's going on in this text. Jesus could care less about the man's possessions. What he cared about, watch this, was the danger of possessions owning him. Let me say that again. What he cared about was the danger of possessions owning him. See, here's the issue. It is not about that he had great wealth. It, uh, you could actually interchange wealth with anything else. So the question is, if you came to Jesus and say, what must I do in, in, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus say, all right, go break it with your boyfriend, then come follow me. Are, are y'all hearing me? It, it could be anything that could be put right there. And all of us have something that we will have to think two, three, four, five times if we're going to follow him or if we're going to go away sad. Okay? Now, I want you to catch this, all right? My question becomes, now I need you to get in the microphone because, you know, a lot of people listen to this. How can we tell if possessions are owning us? Anybody got no answer? Come on, Amber. Thank you. You got to come to the microphone. Anybody? How can we tell that possessions are owning us? Go ahead, Amber. Because they start to drive our desires and wills. They start to drive our desires and wills, okay? If we're using it to bless others. We're using it to bless others, okay? We become frustrated. Become frustrated by, expand that a little bit. Um, here's the issue that I don't, don't think we get a full understanding sometimes when it comes to our walk with Jesus Christ, right? We love the Jesus that saves us. We don't like the Jesus that demands. I love the Jesus that, that saves me and redeems me and sets me free. I love that Jesus. But I don't like the Jesus that says, uh, you know, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. I don't like the Jesus sometimes that makes demands on my life for me to make alterations and changes that I'm not ready or don't want to make. Because the reality is that we all have something in our life that we don't want to change. I like this. You know, I, we, we tell this lie that, you know, sin, you know, is bad, which, is, which it is. It offends God. But some sins we do, we like. I mean, we like. So much so that society now takes what we deem as sinful and we twist it and turn it to make it fit our context and say it's all right. So what if I smoke a little weed? Why? Why ain't nothing wrong with it? Because it's from the earth. It's a weed spirit in here. I know. I got it. It's okay. It's all right. It's a weed. Come on, edible spirit in here. I feel you. Mm-hmm. Don't get me to prophesying. I'll look right at you and say, thus saith the Lord. Loose here, let go. 
Watch this. When you meet the real Jesus, everybody say the real Jesus. We discover that he demands much more than we think and offers much more than we can imagine. The real Jesus is going to demand something from you. Not the Jesus that just saved your soul and leave you how you are. The real Jesus makes demands on your life and say, mm, I love you. I died for you. You got to change that. So the question is, watch this. On Sunday, I talked about three different seasons at the end of that message that we live in when it comes to an open heaven. And I said the first, and, I, and here's what I need you to do, and we're going to talk about this just for a minute before I give you the last uh, couple of points. Um, what season are you in? Are you in the season of planting? Are you in the season of waiting? Or are you in the season of harvest? Okay? Um, because the season of planting is the season of generosity. It is the season where you are putting seed into the ground and you are sowing. The season of waiting, uh-huh. What I tell you wait means. Praise the Lord. I'm glad y'all had to come on. What am I thinking? Are you in the season of, have you put something in the ground and now you're waiting on your harvest? Or are you in the harvest stage of your season? And harvest, I flipped it on its head because I don't think many of us looked at harvest like that. Harvest means work. Not sit on your laurels and just, you know, kick your feet up. So my question to you is, and we're going to talk in dialogue just for a minute, what season are you in right now? What season are you in right now? And I can't give you a specific area of your life. You're going to have to figure that out, whatever you want to talk about, all right? Um, anybody can get to the, um, to the microphone and talk about what season you're in because we want to dissect something. I'll tell you, I am this, in the season right now, um, um, personally, of uh, harvest. Because I've never seen um, a demand that's been put on me that is coming against, coming against my laziness. Watch this, because you gotta be careful. Sometimes you say you're in a season of waiting when you're really not, you're just lazy. The harvest is there, you just ain't doing nothing with it. So the difficulty becomes when you realize, oh, the harvest is here, I'm just lazy. Then I realize I'm not in waiting anymore, I'm in harvest. So. I think one of the, the, the hard things for me in this season is that when you're harvesting, it, it forces you to step out of yourself and do stuff you ain't never done before. You know, when you're in harvest season, you work hours that you ain't never worked before. I know you thought that was sowing, but it's not. That's actually a harvest. Because you're gonna work more than you've ever worked before. You're in harvest season. You raising a little poo-poo, that's harvest season. You ain't waiting. You done delivered that. Now you in harvest. And the difficulty about harvesting, watch this, is that you got to make sure you keep, you have to get the harvest before the pests come. And that takes work. All right? So come on, anybody, anybody, I need to, we're going to have an honest conversation. What season of your life are you in? I'll answer that later. Why did y'all take that as that was like I was shading her? No, I heard people say, ooh. I'm 
like, that wasn't. And I'll come back to that. I pray against this spirit of looking for shade. I do. I pray against that spirit. Amen. What season are you in? Why do you say that? Did you think that um, did you think that harvest was going to require that level of focus? No. Why not? I just thought it was like about work, but like the focus piece is like a huge like you if you're not focused, you're not going to do the work. Right. You see what I'm saying? Because you're going to get distracted. So like the focus piece is doesn't require answer. Right. You gotta have it. Can I tell you that? Um, and this is for everybody in here. That distraction is a is is leftovers of the waiting season. Because while you wait, watch this, it is easy to get distracted while you're waiting. So your mind is way over here, and all of a sudden the harvest comes and you bring that that distracting spirit with you into the harvest. And you get distracted. Come on, let's talk real talk. You get distracted so much that if a bird flies by. Can I, can I tell you something? Let's go, let's go here. One of the hardest things in the harvest season is dealing with the spirit of offense that brings distraction. Have you ever gotten so offended that you just was like, I know I hear something right there because y'all got quiet. Like the harvest is right there and you just like, whatever. Can I tell you a story real quick? Of what happened? Okay. So Jonathan, I put him on the spot. He ain't got no choice. I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan and his band, Urban Intellectuals, had a show in Atlanta. And um, Jonathan, they, they came to Jonathan. They, you know, put all this advertisement out there. They sold out both shows. And the owner comes to Jonathan and say, listen, I know you play for a church, but don't come here with all that Jesus stuff. And also... Um, I know you got a singer, but no, nah, we don't want all that. Y'all just need to play. So Jonathan calls me Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. And he is um, panicking, but, you know, with Jonathan, you can't tell he's panicking because he talks in a monotone, and so you don't know he's panicking. And so he's panicking because he's like, I don't know what to do. Should I just leave? Watch this. And then he has band members that are then suggesting to him, let's go. And so my word to Jonathan was, how is it that you went through all the hard work of practicing for years and years and years to get to this place and let a fence run you off? How is it that, that, that you get to this place? And I said, listen, you work too hard to walk away now. I said, let's put this in context. They called you. They booked you. I said, so what you need to do is get out there and be so good play whatever song you want to play and be so good that the people call back later and say, um, y'all need to bring Urban Intellectuals back again. Become so good that you can't be replaced. But no, that's not what we do. We get offended, we get upset, and we give up and we walk away and your harvest dies right on the vine. Because if you don't 
temper that, you will get distracted and you will walk away. God is not going to bring you through all that. And let me just be real. Let's be real. Let's put it in a church context. How is it that you go through all that you go through to be in the house of God to then walk in a fence and let some run you up out the house? I'm, how many of us have seen that over and over, been in church long enough to see people do that over and over again? You offend, not, watch this, and the Lord delivered you here and blessed you here and, and took care of you, your children, everybody, and you walk away from it because of offense. Touch your neighbor and say, don't you miss your harvest over offense. Don't get distracted. That was good when you said that, Leona, that you get distracted if you don't keep your focus during the harvest. If you don't keep a razor focus during the harvest. Okay? Who's next? Come on, somebody else. What season are you in? Mm. And so the time has been ticking, and it's like I'm not noticing the season change. Right, right. So um, that's I think I'm in, I think I'm in harvest right now because um, I've had conversations with Erica. I've been at my job for so long, and like I'm getting all these other opportunities, but I've been so complacent. I'm like questioning: Is yeah. this real? Is this opportunity something that I really should do? Because yeah. I've been waiting for so long. So. Let me add something to that. In the Book of Acts, um, they were praying for I believe it was Peter. Um, to get released. can't remember what chapter it is. They were praying for Peter to get released. Whole church now in the house praying for Peter to get released. Bound up in jail. They praying in the house. The Bible says that they come to, the, that Peter gets released from jail, comes to the door, and goes to knocking. And the text says, don't nobody move. Except for one girl named Rhoda. Rhoda gets up and was like, y'all can't hear that knocking? Watch this. Because sometimes you can be in a season of waiting for so long, like you said, that when God starts to shift stuff and open doors and answer your prayer, you don't even believe it no more. You don't even believe it no more. So when opportunity comes or when elevation comes or when God begins to open up heaven in your direction, you are so stuck in one mode. Watch this. And the dangerous part about saints... Watch this. The Bible says they were in the house praying. You can over-spiritualize a season. I'm waiting on the Lord. What you mean you're waiting on the Lord? He didn't answer. You don't hear Peter knocking at the door? You don't see the opportunity? You don't see that God is orchestrating something and he's moving something? You didn't see that your manager got shifted to another department? Do you, do you see that? Do you see that? Because sometimes we can be waiting for so long that God can send. Now watch this. Catch this. Catch this. Peter didn't knock down the door and come in the house. He knocked, which means you got to get up from praying and go answer that door. There's some of us that we still on our knees praying. Well, God, you make the way. God, you make the way. And, and what you going to do with it? Are y'all hearing that? So you have to be careful even in that. Uh, I think that's really good because a lot of us with that complacency get stuck in the mode. Why? The devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. I know this devil. So I can handle this. You know, I know all these coworkers. So why go to something else? 
I've been here. My bills paid. You know? So, I, you know, I'm going to leave. I'm going to just, you know, ride this out. When there's so much more in you than that. When God has gifted you so much. And you know what's an insult to God? I'm going to let you go in just a minute. What's an insult to God is for you to have that level of favor and do nothing with it. I don't know who that was for. Go ahead, D. What season are you in? Take, I'm confused. Okay. <laughs> because I, 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 I have sown some seeds, mm -hmm. but I, I believe they were seasonal seeds. Mm -hmm. And I've sown some other seeds, so I, I, I'm reaping a harvest, mm -hmm. but I'm still sowing some seeds. Right. They're different seeds. It's a never-ending so process. I'm sorry? It's a never-ending process. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm sort of confused. Am I, am I in the sowing or am I in the harvesting? Here's the reason why I didn't want to tell you a certain area of life because I don't know, like, when, when she got up and uh, um, Priscilla got up and started talking, she specifically talked about work. Mm -hmm. I don't know what season you're talking about. When you talk about different seed, uh, uh, seasons, when you talk about different sowing seeds, what I've discovered is the winter crop is not the same as the summer crop. And you sow at different mm -hmm. times. So it's not going to be the same seed in the same place at the same time. Mm -hmm. It is a revolving, uh, um, when, you, when you plant, you know this, when you plant, you have to rotate crops. Mm -hmm. Because when you use one soil, the nutrients that that, that that plant used will be drained out of the ground. And so you can't go and put that same plant back in that same ground. Now you got to move it to somewhere else. Do y'all see that? So because... When you sow seeds, it's a seasonal thing, like you said. You have to be careful to understand that it's always going to be, I'm harvesting over here, but I'm waiting over Amen. here. Amen. And while I'm waiting over here, I'm planting over here. Okay? Here's where I think we get off, is that we expect the boom harvest. We want boom harvest. <laughs> And the difficulty is, is that sometimes you're going to harvest over here and you're going to wait over there. And you got to be okay with that. You know, we have turned into an all or nothing generation where we want God to do all or nothing at all. So I need God to do everything. Pay my bills, let my uh, uh, manager leave me alone, give me a promotion, I want to be married, and I want all that within two weeks. Because we want it all or nothing at all. And so we have to be careful that we take a step back and say, you know what? I might be harvesting over here and I'm waiting over here, but I'm sowing over here. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question a little bit better? Yes, sir. Okay. Thank you. You'll be uh, continually harvesting. Um, who else? Come on. Somebody else. I'm in a planting season. Okay. Um, talking about my business, I was in the harvest, but... I lost it. Okay. <laughs> so now I'm rebuilding and growing and sowing again. Okay. What are you doing in the sowing season? What am I doing? I'm learning. Okay. Um, I'm practicing humility and I'm preparing for what I want. So I have an expectancy of what I, where I see my business in mm -hmm. a year. So I'm getting my processes in order for when all of the business comes, when all the money comes. I'm getting ready for that. Gotcha. Okay. Um, give me one second. Hold on. Because you done messed me up with a word. And now I, I, got, I got you. Thank you. You said you were 
um, what'd you say about humbling? Humility. Humility. That's what you said in this season. Okay. I was going to post this, but now I see why the Lord gave it to me. Write this down. You, you know, write this down. Teachable plus willing equals humble. Teachable plus willing equals humble. So let me break that down just for a minute. Because when you're in the sowing season, if you are not teachable and willing, you will never get to that place of being humble enough for things to be released. When you sow, a season of sowing means that I have to make sure that I'm spreading my seed wherever I can, right? So I don't miss any opportunity to spread seed, okay? So you have to understand that sometimes we sow in one direction expecting to harvest in that same direction. That's why you gave all that to that relationship and it ain't going nowhere. Because while you were sowing in that, that, that relationship, you should have been sowing in that relationship and your business at the same, not you, but I'm saying in general. You should have been, <laughs> I, I want them to think I'm talking about you. I'm using that, I'm using, you, you get with me? That you should have been sowing in, in that relationship and your business at the same time. And you should have had your hand over here because you're sowing seeds everywhere at the same time. Why? Because just like Deke said, it's seasonal. You don't know when the harvest is going to come in for either one of them. Are you getting what I'm saying? You never, we make the sad mistake sometimes of throwing everything we got in one direction, hoping that my ship come in through that one direction. So catch this. So while you building your business, be nice to the people on your job. You don't walk around, I'm above all y'all, for real. Because what you don't realize is sometimes there could be somebody on your job that knows somebody that knows somebody that could get you where you're trying to go. You have to sow your seed everywhere at the same time. I'll never forget, you know, um, my, my crucifixion days um, when I worked at J, JTA. Angela know about my crucifixion days. She still worked with some of them people. And um, I had a manager who tried several times to get me fired. Several times to get me fired. And I said, Lord Jesus, I, I don't know what this lady, she got a vendetta against me. And I'm sitting up there, and you know, you know the flesh in you wants to just be like, just come in and not speak to nobody. You know, usually you come in every morning, you say good morning, and then all of a sudden you stop, because you don't even deserve my good morning. I don't want you to have a good morning. So the Lord started working on me and what I did morning. You know, that petty spirit is something else. Y'all ain't petty like I am. The Lord said, you got you to gotta keep speaking. All right, morning. I wish nothing good on you. And, and so... I'm sitting there, watch this, and while I'm catching hell over here, I made sure my attitude stayed right. The Lord had to purge me like that, that my attitude stayed right no matter what. So even when they were, she was nasty, even when she, they was mean, I had to make sure my attitude was right. Here's what happened. So while I'm, I got my attitude right, her boss, who every time they would call, I'd make sure I had the pleasant attitude, spoke well, just anything you need, I got it done, I took care of it. When she went one time to submit my, <laughs> to get me fired, the boss rejected it and said, no, he's, he, I'm sorry, I like him. 
So why don't you just do, what is it, PIP or something? Y'all know what I'm talking about, performance improvement, something. Why don't you just do that? Watch this. Because I didn't just sow in one direction. I was sowing everywhere to make sure that all my bases were covered. So that when somebody tries to put their hand on you, your reputation will speak up. That's what... And so we have to understand that we just don't sow in one direction. We have to sow in all directions. This is why, and I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to let you go. This is why we have to be careful that when God bless you over here, you don't stop your service to God over here. See, this is where we get, this is where we get off with God. Hear me. Because you prayed for this job. You prayed that God promotes you. You prayed that God elevates you. And as soon as he does harvest, now you got to work. But now that gives you the out so that you don't have to be faithful to him over here. And God is saying, watch this, then I will let you ride on your own for a season. Because what got you there was your faithfulness, watch this, to me in the first place. There's some of you in here that can say, I know without a shadow of a doubt, it's been my faithfulness to God that opened the doors, that made the way for me, because I know good and well I wasn't that good. Don't ever stop your faithfulness to God just because this got difficult over here. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? We got to change that mindset now because all of a sudden, as soon as it get rocky over here, hold him back up from God. Why? Because you're going to need him. Some of y'all experience stuff and go through stuff. You need God every single day of your life. You can't stop your faithfulness to him at all. Go ahead, Tanya. Mm, okay. So I know which way I want it. Yeah. But it's toward God. Mm -hmm. But it feels like they're trying to pull me in another direction toward the secular. And I'm not sure how to handle that or am I really in my harvest? Let me, let me help you. See, I wrote this stuff down. And it's on this thing. And I was like, you know, I was going to post it. And now I see why I wrote it down. This was for y'all. This needs to be your prayer. Let my ability to keep up supersede the demands on my life. I'm going to say that one more time. Let my ability to keep up exceed the demand on my life. What happens? Let me tell you, because I've been here. The season in this church, church was growing. It was just, it overwhelmed me because I was not ready for the harvest. I thought I was. I prayed about it. Oh, Lord, send them, send them, send them, send them. And then when he sent them, I'm like, oh, I won't, I don't listen. It overwhelmed me. And what your prayer has to change to is, Lord, let the ability to keep up be greater, exceed the demand that's on my life. Because let me tell you something. When you gift it, life is going to be demanding. Everything and everybody going to want something from you. And the more you give, the more they're going to want. And the natural reaction is, uh-uh, listen, watch this. You ain't finna use me. To whom much is given, much is required. So the more you pour, watch this, you need God to pour back into you. Because you're going to give out and give out, but that's your function. That's your job. Your job is to pour. He didn't create you as a funnel. He created you as a pitcher. 
funnel has an open end bottom and everything just slide through. No, a pitcher is that it gets filled up. Then you pour it out and then it gets filled up all over again. And the saints are wore out because you became a funnel and everything just fall right through you. You never go to a, through a time where you, let, you allow the Lord to fill you back up again so you can pour out again. That's what, watch this, that's why something called a vacation is so important. I first, listen, when I first started this church, for years I wouldn't take a vacation. For years I wouldn't take a vacation. And when I hit that wall of the demand on my life being so great, I had to take a step back and say, you know what? I can't take this. And, and the Lord said this to me. He said, because he's getting ready to shift my personal life and this ministry to another direction. And what he was saying to me was that you have to pray. Keep praying. Lord, let my ability to keep up exceed the demand on my life. You know what that also means? That means that certain things I'm going to have to drop. Because everything can't ride with it. Certain things I got, just got to let go of. And that doesn't mean necessarily I'm letting go of, of responsibilities or, or anything. You know what it means? It means that I'm letting go of certain emotions that are going to occupy too much of my time and my energy. I can't be that upset over that. I just can't. I don't have the bandwidth. Because if I be that upset over that, it's going to drain me, and then I don't have the ability to do what you called me to do. Okay? All right. Thank you, Tanya. That was good. That was real good. Yes, ma'am. asked for a job, prayed for a job, Jesus, Monday through Friday, and I said when I was praying, this is just a stop, the stepping stone, mm -hmm. until I get done with my degree and I can get back in my career field. So, in my waiting period, I got, I procrastinated. Mm. I was just waiting to the last minute to do stuff, because I'm still in school. So now, I feel like I'm in my harvest period, because now I have to work because I'm in my last six classes before I get my degree, mm -hmm. but I'm still procrastinating mm. because I'm like, oh, I've been doing this for the last five months. You know, I can take my time. But mm -hmm. now that it's really required of me so I can get done and now get this, you know, job back in my career that I want, mm -hmm. the starting of the working part is difficult. Yes. Because... And I've said to people, like, I sit at my job and I'm bored, but I could be working. Right, right. So I'm struggling in that transition because I know I need to do it, but then I wait to the last minute to get it done. And then sometimes I'm like, eh, it's okay. The waiting season, some of y'all need to write this down because the Lord just gave this to me. The waiting season is the time that the, that the Lord purges out of you the behaviors that will sabotage your harvest. The waiting season is the time that the Lord purges out the behaviors that will sabotage your harvest. That's why I said on Sunday, you got to know what you're thinking, right? Because if you think, if your mind is on, oh, I ain't got it yet, it ain't there yet, oh, I'm tired, I'm going to do it later, da, 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 then when the harvest does come, everything dies because you're not ready. So you have to make sure that when you're in your waiting season, you're asking the Lord, purge out of me anything that will hinder me from getting the harvest, from reaping the harvest. Because when you go to harvest, which is work, if you don't purge out of procrastination, you will get piece of the harvest, but not all of it. 
one of the worst things, hear your pastor well, one of the worst things to do is to get pieces of a harvest that you knew you could have got 100% of it. Ooh, listen, ain't no regret like the regret of a missed season. Ain't no regret. Nothing eats you up. It defeats you. It will, it will stop you. It will make you stop in your tracks. A season that you knew, I could have got more out of this, and I didn't. So you have to use the waiting season as the time for God to purge out those behaviors that's going to sabotage your harvest. So your prayer, Lord, help me with this procrastination. Get, purge me of it, God. Purge me of it. Mm -hmm. Like, <clears throat> don't matter. It's procrastination. But, yeah. but this, <laughs> that's okay. So this is my question. So with my work, like with my job, I don't procrastinate. They're mm -hmm. actually like giving me more tasks to do because they're like, oh, we, we know you get stuff done. All right, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But with my schoolwork, which is what I know I need to be doing, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I could do it. Oh, that late, that that late. Uh, I could turn that in seven days late. So on that seven day. Jesus I'm Christ. Gonna, okay. Well, here's what I would say. Because not all the time. Don't, because no, y'all no. know y'all turn all. No judgment. No judgment zone. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You don't do it for your job because you get you get instant gratification from it. Every two weeks you get a check, a degree, that takes some time. So, when instant gratification is tied to something, okay, what you're gonna have to learn how to be, uh, how to work when ain't nothing coming from it. You got to keep working even when ain't nothing coming from it. Because if you stop waiting on instant gratification, you will always live in a season, thank you, Holy Ghost, of starting and stopping. Because when none, no, no gratification coming from it. I'm only using it as, in, as, as, as an example because I'm not the model child of this. I struggle with this as well. But me pastoring is one of those things that when I don't want to do it, I still have to do it. Don't you fool yourself. Not every Sunday I get up and preach, I want to preach. Don't you fool yourself. Not every time I want to teach on Wednesday nights, or, I, or I'm here on Wednesday nights, oh, I want to teach. Don't you fool yourself. But I have to stick at it and stay with it even, listen, when the Lord took us through discipleship, I was like, you just gonna kill all my ministry, Lord. And I have to stick with it in spite of what it looks like. Because if I don't, then I'm just waiting on instant gratification. Watch this. I'm waiting on 100 people to join when somebody on Sunday gave their life to the Lord. And I will miss the one person that the, that the, Lord, uh, uh, that the Lord gave trying to wait, wait on this huge, big thing. No, you have to make sure you stick at it and keep working at it even when there's no, nothing tied to it. It's easy to be faithful on the, on the job. Let's check. Come with that. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm, I know I'm in the planting season, but okay. before I plant these seeds, through God, I'm weeding out a lot of stuff that is not a God. Okay. Like the procrastination, mm -hmm. as JoJo talked about, um, lack of faith in myself, not willing to speak up for myself, especially when it comes to my music. So. Mm -hmm. So with my music, I'm kind of weeding out everything pretty much that's not of God. Mm -hmm. Because I know what I was harvesting previously was I wasn't going to really get the full harvest of mm -hmm. it. 
pretty much because it was secular and not of God. Mm-hmm. So the planning kind of started with dreamwalking with Deacon Jimmy and everything. So mm-hmm. I want to continue to plant seeds in that, but I'm still dealing with this conflict of, okay, I know I need to do music for God, but I'm still struggling with the secular mm-hmm. because I still feel that I need to get out where I need to get out with the secular. So I'm in the planting, but I know right now I'm weeding as I plant as well. As that I, here's my thing. You know what I heard? I didn't hear weeding. What I heard is you don't even know what your seed is. Mm-hmm. You're trying to decide which what you're going to plant. Right. Choose ye this day. Right. You got to make a decision. That's not, that's not a weeding out process. That's a decision that you have to make, right? A lot of times, I think sometimes we don't see that um, when it comes to planting a harvest, that we, <laughs> um, I, you know, when I live with my grandparents in Monticello, Florida, and no stoplight, that's a flashing light, they say slow down. Um, we used to have, um, my grandmother had a, a garden in the backyard and what my grandmother would do is that she had these lines where she had dug up the ground, broke it up, um, broke up the fallow ground, and she would plant the seeds. My grandmother made sure that she would not cross seeds in one line. So she had to be very clear that she was going to plant this seed in this line and this seed in this line. Okay? If you start trying to cross seeds and you're not sure on what you're going to plant, what will happen is one will choke out the other. And you might get a harvest that you weren't expecting. So you have to be clear on what you planted. That also determines what season are you in. Are you in the season of secular or are you in the season of Christian, choose ye this day whom you're going to serve. That's a decision that you got to make. Does that make sense? So you got to be, you got to be clear. Let me, let me go to y'all because, uh, to us, not to y'all, to us, because sometimes um, we jump ship too early and we start planning one thing and oh, I don't want that no more and start playing something else. And oh, no, I don't want that. I want to plant something else. Watch this. And when you start planning too much, you like, oh, what happened? Okay, I was um, at my last place. I used to have these little um, pots in the backyard and I grew um, some, you know, some greens because I, I really like greens. And I was growing some greens in my garden in the backyard and um, I had a problem. My, my collard greens turned out wonderful, big, leafy, they were great. The problem I had was with my turnip greens. I like turnip greens um, and mustard greens. And so, um, y'all ain't old school like I am. I like that tart, you know, get it back in your throat. It's good for you. Ooh, thank you. And so, um, I had to just thought about it. Um, and so, I planted um, some turnip greens and I planted some mustard greens. What I did not realize was that the mustard greens cannot be planted just anywhere. Because right behind me there was a forest and apparently there was something in the pollen that would, was getting on the mustard greens and instead of it growing the way it needed to grow, 
watch this, it would grow a few leaves and then it would do something called bolting. Bolting means that it would start this process of trying to duplicate itself. So instead of it keep growing big leaves, it just grew a, a couple of leaves and then stopped and then took all its energy into reproducing itself all over again. So a flower would grow from the middle of it. Looked pretty, but it wasn't beneficial. Because it was around something else it shouldn't have been around, and it caused the plant to bolt, and it was useless to me. I got three leaves off that whole plant. You can't cook nothing with no three leaves. You know how small mustard greens shrink up? Y'all ain't country like I am. Y'all don't know about You need a whole lot of mustard greens if you're going to cook it. By the time you get cooked, it's about that much. Okay. So you have to be clear on what you're planting, okay? All right. Let me get these last points and I'm done. Num uh, number six, number six, give various offerings. You got to give various offerings. I hope that blessed y'all. Give various offerings. Go to Exodus 35, 20 through, 22 through 29. I'm not going to keep you long. I'm going to do this real quick and get you out of here. Give various offerings. So if you're going to give in this open season, you got to make sure you give various offerings. Exodus 35, 22 through 29. Exodus 35, 22 through uh, 29. Is that hard to see? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Exodus 35, 22 through 29. Um, the Bible says, New King James Version, then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing, and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting of all his service. And for the holy garments, they came, both men and women, as they had, as many as had a willing heart, and brought earrings and nose rings and rings and necklaces, all the jewelry of gold, that is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. Verse 23, and every man with whom was found blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, red skin, skins of ram, and badger's skins, brought them. Everyone who offered an offering of silver or bronze brought the Lord's offering, and everyone with whom was found acacia wood for any work of, the, of service uh, brought it. Verse 25, all the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue, purple, and scarlet and fine linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred with wisdom spun yarns of goat's hair. The rulers brought oxen, um, onyx stone and the stones to be set in the ephod and the breastplate and spices and oil for the oil for the light for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense verse 29 the children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord and all the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work which the Lord by the hand of Moses had commanded to be done watch this uh, you've been in service, I've been in a service where you've, or you've heard of a service where a preacher got up and did a $1,000 money line. And all those with a $1,000 stand. Watch this. And people would sit there mad because the preacher asked for it. Okay? Here's the revelation. Real deep. You ready? If he asked or if she asked for $1,000 and you don't have it, he wasn't talking to you. Isn't that simple? I ain't talking to you. I, you know, I, I, I will never forget. We, I was in the service one time, 
and a friend of mine was sitting next to me, and the preacher got up and said, I need every preacher here to give $100. I have $100. And then he, you know, so it was a couple of us that were sitting there, and um, he was saying, you know, you need to get $100. Come on, preachers. You're going to preach the word, God, the word of God, and you got $100. You ain't worth a, you ain't preacher worth your salt. Well, listen, I'm in between seasons. So I ain't got it. So I'm sitting up there getting mad and upset because I'm like, how dare you? My friend reached over to me and he said, he looked at me and said, you know what? I said, what? He ain't talking to me. <laughs> I said, what you mean? He talking to all of us. Come on, mm -mm, he ain't talking to me. I said, why? I ain't got $100. <laughs> if the Lord said, if you got $100, bring it, I ain't got it. So he ain't talking to me. And I developed that philosophy ever since then. He ain't talking to me. Watch this. So everybody doesn't have to bring the same thing. That's what that, that scripture just said. Everybody didn't bring the same thing. They all brought different things for the tabernacle of the Lord. There are various offerings that help bring forth the kingdom of God, and that's what this shows in Exodus. They were building the tabernacle, and the people brought what they had available to them. We compare that. The problem is that we compare what we don't have against what somebody does have. Watch this. We look at people and say, well, they got it. I don't I got it. And then you sit up there and upset and bothered by it. Listen, if this ain't about you, if you ain't got it, you ain't got this, ain't no pressure. That is why I'm very clear on who I bring in this church. Because I ain't going to bring somebody in here that's going to financially rape you. I'm just not going to do it. Because I know what the Lord has said and I know what, he, and because I know what his words say, I'm not going to allow people to do that to you. Does that make sense? Okay, um, God says, I'm never going to hold you accountable for what somebody else has. And I'm not going to hold you accountable for what you don't have. I only hold you accountable for what I know I gave you. Okay, number seven, number seven, give daily. Give daily. Give daily. Say in Exodus 36, um, well, Exodus 36, verse number three. <clears throat> and they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings, watch this, every morning. Okay? Most people want to wait until some big check come before you give to the Lord. But the Bible says they gave every morning, every chance they got. Um, what if God wasn't trying to send you one big check? What if he wanted to see if you're going to give little by little? Do y'all see that? We got to change this mindset of the only way I can give to God if I get if my ship come in. No, give God where you are at right now. Okay, uh, it's on the screen. You don't have to turn there. Proverbs 13, verse number 11. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be dis diminished, but he who gathers by labor will will increase. He who gathers by labor will increase. What that means is you gather little by little. You're not trying to hit the lottery. If you do, bring your tithe. You should be. You shouldn't be in the lottery line anyway. But um, you're, you're not trying to hit the lottery. But you're getting it through labor and working, and you set it aside little by little, and that's the kind of lifestyle that God wants us to have. Can I bless you real good? Why doesn't God bless you with a large amount? That's a good answer. But that's. I want you to see a, a deeper revelation. Prosperity gained without hard work will dwindle. You get something fast, it's gone fast. 
Isn't it amazing? Somebody die, leave an inheritance, and it's gone within a month. Because if you get it fast, it's going to be gone fast. It takes, watch this, you have to labor on it. And the word says, you watch this, you have to plan for it. You have to, you have to save it. Now watch this, on Sunday, I'm doing a message just about saving. I don't think you've ever, anybody ever sat through a message that a preacher preached about saving your money? Hardly ever do you hear anybody say that. But we're going to talk about saving and what is the, what, 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 why is that important? But the Lord says, watch this, when you know how to work hard for it and you plan it and you save it and you invest it, then you will know how to keep it and increase it. Okay? Number eight, number eight, give to God honestly. Give to God honestly. Go to Acts, the fourth chapter, verse number 32. Um, Acts the fourth chapter, verse number 32, and then we're going to go over to Acts the fifth chapter. We're going to read it all the way through. Um, when the Bible was written, it was not written in chapters. The chapters were inserted so you know where to go in the Bible, okay? But we're going to read this, Acts the uh, fourth chapter, verse number 32. Acts 4, verse number 32, and we're going to continue in uh, chapter 5. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, Brought, it, brought the money uh, from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Verse number 36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Uh, verse, uh, now we're in chapter 5, verse number 1. Now a man named Ananias together with his wife, Sapphira, uh, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you did not receive for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Verse number five, when Ananias heard this, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Some of y'all need to say, thank the Lord that he ain't killing people no more. Watch this. Fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. <laughs> About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, 
Is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to, te conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. Verse number 10, at that moment she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church, I would think so, and all who heard about these events. That's tough, ain't it? It's tough. <laughs> Here's the problem. Here's the problem. They came up to the altar and laid the money at the apostles' feet, and it was understood at that time and known that when you made that move, you were surrendering what you had sold, your possession, and you were bringing all the money to the church. The fact that they walked up to the altar and laid at the apostles' feet, they made an act as saying that everything was there. It was understood that if you made that move, you were bringing everything. You weren't holding anything back. Watch this. There, was, there, were, there were other means of which how they could have presented it and said it was not everything they were holding back. So they had other opportunities to present it. And they could have said, this ain't, it all, this ain't all of it. It's part of it. But he didn't do that. Watch this. Because what I've discovered about church folk is when they're in front of other church folk, they got to impress other people. So I'd rather lie to you than to be honest with God. Watch this. Um, in the old church, not our church, but in the old church, the old school church, we used to have um, a table, um, do this in remembrance of me, and, and they would have the offering baskets on the table. So when you marched around, y'all don't march no more, but when you march around, you, you, put that, you, put that, you put your offering in the, in the basket. But we used to have some, I don't know if y'all like me, that had that little box off to the side that said tithes on it. Okay. And, and they would put the tithes in there, the tithers. The only problem was that you would have people with titles not tithing. Critical people in the church not tithing. Or people lying, putting, putting the tithes in the tithes box who really wasn't tithing. You know. I, I, you know, we don't do that anymore, but you know the people that, that put down $20 and talking about they, that's they tithe, and they drove up in a BMW. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. you, 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 know, you know the people that, that, that you know, you, you know the people, not here at Freedom. Angela, they don't do that here. They, they, don't, they don't write down tithes and that really ain't they tithe. They don't, they don't lie like that. Not, he, not, not at freedom. Not here. Watch this. And, and, and so we don't have a tithe box. We just got a regular basket and everybody put it in it. Watch this. We give you an envelope and we let you designate what you say belongs to God. And if you lie to him, forget us. You ain't, you ain't lie to us. You lie to him. When you give to God, be sincere and honest. Don't just put down that it's a tithe when you know it's not. Be honest with God because you're not tricking anybody but yourself. Number nine, they didn't like that point. Let me end on this one. Number nine, give expectantly. Give expectantly. Give expectantly. You don't just give just to give. You give with expectation in your heart that God is getting ready to do something through your giving. Give expectantly. 
2 Corinthians 9. Go to 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verse number 1. 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 1. Bible says, 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 1, there is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and um, uh, uh, Achaia uh, were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this manner should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the ar arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. You said you was going to give it, I'm going to send the men to come get it. Mm -hmm. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as a grudgingly given, not as one grudgingly given. Verse number six, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse number eight. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Watch this. That word sparingly right there means stingily. Sting, you know stingy people? You know? You know stingy people don't want to give you nothing. They sitting there and got, you know, seven pieces of chicken and you just ask for one and they can't even give you one. Just tight. Just, just won't give you nothing. Just stingy. Watch this. He says, if you, if you sow in stingy, what you will reap is a stingy reward. Can I ask you something? Maybe the reason why ain't nobody helping you is because you ain't helped nobody. Maybe the reason ain't nobody concerned about your problem because you ain't never been concerned about anybody else's problem. It ain't only, the principle don't only work in money. It works in all areas of life. Watch this. But he says when you give, he, you got to do it, watch, a cheerful giver. You do it with a smile on your face. Now, here's what I want to deal with and I'm done. Somebody would inevitably go to you and say that tithing is not for today. And they'll bring up this verse right here. 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 7. Read it back to me. 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 7. What does it say? Anybody? Each of you should give. Come on. what you have decided in your heart to give. Why well, I'm giving 10%. The Bible say you should give what you decided in your own heart. Ain't that what the words say? That's what it said, right? Watch this. So they, they will use that and say, well, tithing, uh-uh, you ain't supposed to tithe because look what, what, what it says right here. Watch this. So, so you ain't under the tithe no more. You under grace and, 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 and watch this. So you're supposed to give what you have purpose in your heart to give. Mm-hmm. That's why I took you back all the way to verse number one to read that whole thing. 
Watch this. Because this verse ain't about tithing, it's about the offering. I want you to be clear on that. Notice what he said. He talked about generously. You're giving to the work of ministry. He's talking about what you have decided to give as far as to keep the mission going. This has nothing to do with the tithe. This verse right here. So when next time somebody try to come to you and say, oh, well, look what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. No, that ain't what that say. You need to put that in context. What he is talking about, read a couple of verses right before it. He is clearly talking about the offering. He's not talking about the tithe. Okay? Watch this. He says, but God is able to bless you abundantly more than what you need. And what this verse shows us is that sometimes God ties grace to your ability to be a cheerful giver. Stop giving with an attitude. Give it cheerfully. Be happy about it. Watch this. The reason you should be happy about it is because you should let your mind go back to the time when you know you didn't have it. And the Lord doesn't bless you with it. See, we got to get out this habit that when the car break down, we falling all apart to pieces and you got the money to get it fixed. Because it used to be a time where Sally was going to sit out there in the parking lot and wasn't going to go nowhere. But when the Lord bless you and give it to you, now you should be cheerful about it. Thank, thank the Lord I got it to give. Watch this. And here's the thing about tithing. Even when you don't have it to give, you obey God and you watch God do what he does best. And watch him take care of you. And watch him make a way for you. And he says, I'll bless you more and more. There's a grace that's tied to cheerful giving. But if you're going to be stingy and tight, I won't give you the grace you need. So that word generously. He says, God loves a cheerful giver. And those that sow sparingly shall reap sparingly. But those who give generously shall reap generously. That word generously when you look at the etymology of the word, watch this, literally means eulogy. Mm -hmm. Eulogy. Now, you hear that all the time in funerals, that you eulogize somebody. What does that word eulogize mean? You know what that means? Watch this. It literally means speak well of. When you eulogize, it means you speak well of. That's why when you come to the funeral and you know that person in the castle was mean and nasty, yet everybody's saying all these wonderful things about them. Well, that's what a eulogy is. We're going to speak well of you. Watch this. Eulogy in the original text literally means speak well of the dead. Catch this. Why would he say if you sow sparingly, you shall reap sparingly, but if you eulogize, you shall reap eulogy? Who dead that you, that you celebrating and talking about? Don't you know somebody that died? His name is Jesus. You are eulogizing him every time you give. You are speaking well of him. So when I give, it's saying that he was so good to me that he blessed me and he opened the door for me and he did something for me I couldn't do for myself. So I'm giving this back to eulogize to speak well of him of the great things he has done in my life. Do y'all see that? So we have to understand that we give expectantly. We give believing that God is going to do something awesome in with our giving. All right? Um, I'm done. What was that one last question, or did I answer it already? Yes.
said it was answered? Okay. At the same time, absolutely. Here's the thing about, I can't say that you can go from um, uh, waiting back to planting unless while you were waiting, what you planted died. Because that's possible as well. So you have to be, yes, you can go back. If that's, if that's what you're asking me, you can go back. But that's because what you put in the ground, you did not take care of. So now you got to start all over again. You, can I say this? Um, I want to make sure that we understand that in the season of the open, open harvest and the open heaven, that while we're waiting on our harvest, we got to make sure that we are taking care of what we put in the ground, that we are maintaining it. Okay? If you sown the seed, now maintain it and take care of it. You don't want to sow the seed and then all of a sudden you just take your hand off. You know what I mean? You don't get married and say, oh, well, we'll figure it out. We'll figure itself out. No, you got to take care of that seed. Beverly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm That's the perfect word for it. Perfect word. The man, when Jesus looked at the man that would that had the plant that wouldn't um, create fruit, he said, "Give it one more year, prune it, and wait until next year to see if it gives fruit." He said, "If it don't bear fruit, cut it down." The pruning season is actually between waiting and harvest because what pruning does is it allows you. To, for the plant to produce. When I cut away, now it's at the ability. So when I talk about bolting, okay, that's exactly what that is because what happened is there's something else that's taking the energy away from being fruitful, taking it away from being harvested. So you have to be careful that when you're in that season, and you got it right, when you talk about uh, pruning, pruning in the spirit is not external. It is internal. And pruning hurts. Pruning is the season where God will tell you, shut your mouth and don't say not one more word. Pruning is the season where God will say, walk in, put a smile on your face, and don't bring it up. I want to talk about it so bad, but he said, don't bring it up. Pruning is that season where those behaviors that will sabotage and hurt your harvest, God says you got to cut it away. Because if you don't cut it away, it will take all the energy and you will never produce. And God wants you to be productive. He wants you to be fruitful. Okay? Um, he pruning is that season where you have to get your emotions together and, and do what God tells you to do. And watch this. <laughs> You ever had a season where God pruned 
an area where you knew you was right? But he still pruned you, even in the midst of being right? Because sometimes what God wants to do is make sure that we release our need to be in control. Is this too heavy for y'all? Did I go out there? I'm telling too much about business right now. And so that pruning stage is, is, is vital in that waiting season because as you're waiting, you're pruning away anything that will take the energy away from being fruitful. You're taking the energy away because you got to make sure you got to cut it back. Cut it, cut it. Now, here's what I love about God. Here's what I love about God. You know you got God's hand on your life when, watch this, when he starts pruning what you want. That's really good and what I love about that is that that sometimes we don't have the ability to do it ourselves we don't have the level of self-control to do it ourselves and we have to ask the Lord you know Lord you got to do this thing because if you leave it to me I'm gonna stay right here deep Another thing that you have to worry about, and I'm just be real with you, <laughs> is that even something that kind of piggybacks on the pruning season is the weeds. He is messing with me right now, and I don't want to say this, but I got to say it. Jesus Christ. Um, weeds are unhealthy connections. that try to blend in. Everybody stand. I'm about to cry. Everybody stand. That thing messed with me right there. Jesus Christ. And sometimes weeds are stubborn because you can pull them one time and they'll come right back. You just cut it off from the top and you don't get down in the ground and take the root of it out. Come here, come here, come here. So if you don't get the root of rejection out, if you don't get the root of loneliness out, if you don't get the root of somebody always having to encourage you to be all right, stuff will keep growing, the weeds will keep coming back. And while you could be pruning at the top, weeds growing at the bottom. That thing messed with me right there. I'm going to have to deal with that. Come on, let's pray. Did this bless you on tonight? I hope this bless you on tonight. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you 
for an honest church on tonight. Thank you that we can be naked and not ashamed, that we can just lay it all out and say this is where we are. But God, even while we're stating where we are, we're so grateful that we have a God that has not left us alone, that keeps working on us and pruning us and purging us and making us to be who you call us to be. God, we bless you on tonight for you being a great God that you are. God, we need your help because there's some stuff we can get rid of on our own, but there's other stuff that we need your help, God. God, be a company keeper. Be a God that's right there by our side, God. That when we don't know which way to go, you give us our direction. So God, we thank you right now. God, we thank you for the planting season. We thank you for the waiting season. And we thank you for the harvest season. Prepare our hands now, God. Prepare our feet now, God, for where you're taking us and what you're doing with us. God, I pray over these people as this pastor of this church that you're getting ready to take these people into a season of mind-blowing blessings. God, I thank you right now for what you're getting ready to release now. We're ready, God. We're ready, God. We're ready, God. And we'll hold on to you. And we thank you now. And we bless you. Do me a favor, just lift your hands. I pray right now that he anoints your hands, that everything you touch be blessed. I pray right now that he anoints your hands. I pray that he strengthen your body right now. I pray that he gives you what you need, that you can handle the demand that is on your life. I pray right now, come on, lift your hands, for a fresh anointing from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet. I pray right now that everything you need in this season that you're in, you already have it. I pray right now that there be nothing lacking, nothing missing, and I decree and declare that God is getting ready to open heaven in your direction. We bless you and we glorify you. Take just a couple of seconds and give God the best praise that you can. Come on. Come on. Give him the best praise that you can. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Come on. Just bless him. Bless him. Bless him. Thank him for the harvest. Thank him for the waiting. Thank him for Hallelujah, 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 and we bless your name, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Dismiss us from this place, but never from your presence. Give us traveling grace back to our respective places. In Jesus' name, amen. Hug somebody on your way out, hug somebody on your way out.